This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. They had a book called Ghost Dogs of the Appalachia, right? Yeah. yeah. Which you should have bought as well. I mean, I'm sure on the online, you could probably find that. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Savor. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And if you're listening to this on the day that it comes out, or, I mean, maybe on another day, uh, it could be Halloween. It could be. <laughs> There's a chance that it is. Yes. And Halloween is one of Lauren and I's favorite holidays. Maybe favorite holiday? It's certainly up there. It's not as good for, like, feasting. That's true. Well, well feasting on candy and then regretting everything later. Yeah. I have fewer regrets after Thanksgiving or Christmas meals. Hmm. I actually have a pretty strict rule about my Halloween candy consumption. Oh, yeah? I allow myself five candies, and it's Reese's, Kit Kat, <laughs> Almond Joy, Butterfinger, M&M Peanuts, and then that's it. And like five units of candy. You're not talking about you're allowed to eat as much of those five as you want. Yep. Only one of each. Okay. But... It's king size, and I have to get it for free. I can't buy them, so I have to find them. <laughs> if it's king size, that's fine. If it's a fun size, that's fine. Anyway, we're not talking about my candy habits today. Well, now we are. No, okay, no, no, we are talking about Amaro, which, strangely enough, has some of the keystones of any good Halloween story. Spirits. Yeah. The alcohol variety. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. See what you did there? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Also ghosts, witches, magicians who never reveal the secrets of their tricks. They aren't tricks, they're illusions. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, we're, we're talking about Amaro, which is a type of alcohol. While we were in Asheville, we got to visit an Amari distillery. Yeah, and I didn't know much about Amari before this, but you're a pretty big fan, aren't you? Oh, yeah. I love ordering a shot of Amari or perhaps one with just like a couple of ice cubes after dinner or at the end of an evening if my stomach is maybe a little bit unsettled. There's a pretty good chance that if my stomach is unsettled because I've been drinking all evening, then that shot of Fernet or whatever it is is the last thing that I actually should consume. Yeah. Because it is still alcohol. But yes, I like them very much and they're great in cocktails. I've consumed, especially recently, as bars have started stocking more different kinds of them, a whole lot around Atlanta. Yeah, I have seen it a lot more nowadays, but I remember the first time I had Fernet, I was with a coworker of ours, Chandler, and um, we were out very late and he somehow came up and he was like, you've never heard of Fernet? You've never had Fernet? We're really going to impress this bartender and order some Fernet. <laughs> and we did. And the bartender was like, oh, wow. And he gave us a free shot. It was pretty oh, cool. Oh, man. That's lovely. It was, yeah. I once won a Jaeger drinking contest in Australia. <laughs> I just wanted to throw this in there. <laughs> like, humble brag, humble brag, not so humble brag. Um, but all the other competitors were already wasted. And I was sober. So I think that's how I won. I should put in here, drink responsibly, kids. Yes. <laughs> yes. It is funny that the prize I got was a $150 bar tab. Wow. I thought that was an interesting choice of prize. Hey. <laughs> Jägermeister, of course, is a uh, German liqueur. Amari are Italian. They're in a related group. But we've been talking about this thing, and you might be totally confused as to what we are speaking about. So this brings us to our question. Amari. What are they? Well, Amari, that's a plural, the singular being Amaro, are a loosely defined category of herbal liquors that originated in Italy or um, originally came to popularity there anyway. And they can be in either the category of apertivo or digestivo, uh, meant to be drank before a meal to stimulate your appetite or after a meal to help with digestion. And if you haven't tried one straight, if you drink cocktails, you have probably had one in a cocktail. Uh, types of Amari are key ingredients in Negronis and Aperol spritzes, both of which are pretty popular right now. Yeah. And when it comes to ABV or alcohol by volume, the number can range from 18% to 70%. Sometimes they're aged in barrels, sometimes they're not. And if you're wondering about flavor, well, Amaro is the Italian word for bitter, if that gives you any idea. But they don't have to be bitter. Well, they're always a little bit bitter. But some range very dry, which brings out that bitterness more, whereas others are quite sweet, sort of bittersweet. And depending on what herbs and spices and barks and roots and fruits and nuts and other snips and snails they're made with, they can taste warm and spicy or like bracingly minty and menthol-y. They can be citrus bright or woodsy dark. They can be grassy or vegetal or a little bit of all of the above. If you're getting the idea that there is a lot of variation in this category, you are totally correct. I love this quote describing Amari I found in a Savor article from Souther Teague over at New York City Bitters Tasting Room, Amor y Amargo. Quote, how I explain it to people, it's unexplainable. It's the Wild West as far as definition goes. Yeah, like Aperol, that same light orange liqueur that makes those spritzes so delightful, shares the category with Fernet Branca, 
that sort of mouthwashy stuff that your bartender friend ordered shots of. And lots of different styles fit into the Amaro category. Um, Alpino, Rababaro, Carchifio. And if all of those words are totally unfamiliar to you, no worries. We will get into a few of them in a bit here. But more even than the breadth of styles of Amari, part of the difficulty in pinning down a definition is the shroud of secrecy around the ingredients. You start with a base alcohol, uh, usually a neutral spirit like either a brandy or like a vodka, and then infuse it with whatever you got and whatever you want to. Those ingredients are proprietary and passed down from one generation to the next and kept secret like your grandmother's prize-winning cookie recipe. It's the Nestle Toll House recipe. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Nestle Toll House. I kid, I kid. That's an old friend's reference for anyone who doesn't know it. (laughs) Amari date back to medieval Europe with pharmacists and monks prescribing the herbal tinctures for medicinal purposes as early as the 1400s. Italian merchants commercialized them in the 1700s, and this helped cement their cultural significance in that country. By the 19th century, Italians enjoyed different kinds as either an aperitif or a digestif or both. It, along with other bittering agents, are thought to aid digestion, so why not? All sorts of ingredients that wind up in Amari have this folk history of medicinal use. Some of the most common ones include gentian root, which is thought to stimulate the liver, chincona bark, which is the same stuff used to extract quinine and long thought to be a uh, stomach settler and fever reducer, angelica root, which is uh, a pain reliever and digestive aid, myrrh and green cardamom, both of which are used for their heating properties and humoristic medicine, um, mint, bitter orange, star anise, cinnamon, orris, wormwood, rhubarb, all this stuff. All kinds of things, yeah. Before Prohibition, Americans could get their hands on Amari in cities or areas with large Italian communities. During Prohibition, one brand was allowed to keep selling their wares as a cough medicine, Fernet Branca. Mm-hmm. American soldiers returning home after being stationed in Italy during World War II brought with them a taste for Amari, and that opened up the U.S. market a bit more. One popular brand was Campari, which in Italy was seen as a ladies' drink because of the sweetness and the color. find that very interesting. And something else interesting about Fernet Branca— Fernet Branca and Coca-Cola is the national cocktail of Argentina. Yeah, Amari are very popular in Argentina. Indeed they are. And while they have been popular there for decades and in Europe for centuries, only recently did they start to take off here in the States. Let's look at some Amari numbers. In the last decade, Amari sales in the U.S. have multiplied by eight times. And sales are up globally, too. Uh, Consumption of bitter liquors around the world raised 14% from 2013 to 2017 and is projected to rise another 30% between now and 2025. When Amari first started gaining popularity in the early aughts here in the States, that brand, Fernet Branca, became a sort of um, bartender's handshake, uh, ordering one being sort of shorthand for saying like, oh, hey, I'm industry too, we're chill, right? (laughs) And then coinciding with the classic cocktail movement, bars started stocking not just like one or two for that handshake or to make a mixed drink, but whole ranges for sipping straight or on the rocks. Furthermore, Americans have been developing their palate for bitter flavors in in this, our second decade of the 21st century. Like, think about how much more often you see espresso offered instead of just coffee um, or the wild growth of IPA-style beer. We have whole restaurants that are devoted to kale. 
<laughs> I love kale. I love kale too, but what I'm saying is that we are getting more bitter by the minute. Yes, which is great news for you, right? <laughs> oh, it's yeah. your favorite flavor. It certainly is. I know you, Lauren. <laughs> and making Amari isn't a strictly European thing anymore either. Asheville is home to one of America's few Amari makers, Chris Bauer and Rhett Murphy, founders of the Etta Rhine Distillery Company. We'd seen their Amari and cocktails on menus around town, and we thought we'd stop by for a tasting and, and to see what their story was. Here's Chris. We make a regional Amari that uses plants that have traditionally been used uh, as folk medicine in Western North Carolina. Western North Carolina has traditionally been a hub for medicinal plants. We have a very, very biodiverse uh, region here. And so we create spirits that uh, reflect the flavors of this region and the, and the plants of this region. They make three different styles of Amari, a light and dry alpine-style Amaro, a dark and pungent Fernet, and a deep, sweet, nutty Nocino. Just, you know, out of what's local and traditional to North Carolina, not Italy. We went in for samples, and I think that I'm the only one of the three of us, along with super producer Dylan, who's familiar particularly with the category. It's a very intense experience, and when we were talking about tasting notes, we we definitely had responses all across the board. I was just like, oh, this one tastes grassy and floral. And I'm notoriously really bad at <laughs> describing flavors, which is great for this job. I do remember that I never had anything like a Nocino before. And I remember that being kind of both sweet and chocolatey, but a little bitter. I really liked it. And then the other ones, floral is a good description, I think. They were pretty earthy and floral. Yeah, it is. Like, there's so many flavors going on that it can be hard to describe. Here's Chris again, along with Rhett. The interesting thing about, um, you know, Amaro as, again, as a genre of spirits is, you know, it's this intense combination of different botanicals and how they react in your mouth, in your palate. You can have a very subjective uh, experience of what you're tasting. And part of when, when we were developing these flavors, which took... A really long time. The addition or subtraction of certain things wouldn't necessarily do what you thought it would do because of the synergy of ingredients together actually is kind of the beauty of these things. As far as what makes up that flavor profile, like magicians safeguarding their secrets, the creators weren't telling. We'll get into that after a quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! South Park! Give me a woo! 
roller coaster. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at San Diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So, yes. Secrecy. Intrigue. As we have discussed, tradition is a big part of the lore around Amari, and the folks at Edorine wanted to honor that. When we asked about the ingredients and process behind Edorine's Amari, yeah. Mom was the word. Zip. We love the traditions of the Amaro making, right? And pretty much across the board, everything that is made, the recipes, how it's made, tends to be secret. There is a tradition of secrecy that goes along with the making of Amari, and uh, we uh, abide by that tradition. Yeah, I'm sure that doesn't <laughs> like you. Like, I'm sure that is not what you wanted to hear. But, uh, but you know, this, this comes from, uh, to me, I love Amari as sort of a genre of spirits because it has this very mysterious past. And this comes from these ancient alchemical recipes that were given to emperors and given to monks. And the history is a very almost Rococo in like all the different uh, mysteries and, and folk tales. And, but at the end of the day, I think that it's, it basically, this genre started out as folk medicine, right? These are uh, elixirs. Or panaceas, you know. They would share one part of their process with us. Where the ingredients come from. Whatever goes into making these spirits is sourced locally, including from Rhett's own farms and the surrounding woods. The exception is during the winter months when ingredients from California and Florida come into the equation out of necessity. That's for their year rounds. They also make some seasonals only available for brief windows throughout the year. Some of the stuff is wildcrafted. Um, that lends a seasonality that we can't break through. So we have uh, one spirit here that we can only make one time of the year, and that's because uh, it comes out of the forest. We have another one that I'm not going to uh, have you guys taste because it's a secret. So many secrets. <laughs> but let's talk about the things that we did try, <laughs> like the Nochino. And as I said, I'd never even heard of these. And it brings us to our second what is it? Moment of the episode. Nochino is a type of amari that is made from walnuts, unripe green walnuts to be exact. You pick them and chop them up whole. They'll have a green outer shell that contains the developing inner shell and the nut, that inner shell being the one that 
you eventually would crack open to get at the nut if you shell your own walnuts. Yeah, so you chop them up and then you pack them with whatever botanicals and uh, spices you want, some sugar in there, and pack them in alcohol, that neutral spirit like the vodka or the brandy again. And yeah, there is a lot of history behind Nachino, too. Luckily for us, Chris is a willing storyteller. So traditionally, Nochino, they haven't been as big commercial spirits as they are like homemade spirits in Italy. And so traditionally on St. John the Baptist Day. St. John the Baptist night, the 23rd of June is the traditional uh, harvest day. When the Romans took over the Britons, they discovered that on the, uh, you know, summer solstice, Uh, They were drinking this strange beverage that had black walnuts in it and that they would drink this beverage and they would talk to goblins and witches. And the Romans loved this beverage so much that they took it back to Rome and it was a summer solstice uh, tradition. Once the empire turned to Christianity, uh, like everything else, they took the pagan holidays, brought them into Christendom. And so they made it a tradition that on St. John the Baptist night, the women would climb the trees barefoot to pick the black walnuts as the men tended giant bonfires. And these bonfires were designed to keep the witches away because the witches desired the black walnuts. We told you there would be witches. We would never mislead you about witches. <laughs> Everybody wanted the black walnuts, but the witches uh, loved the black walnuts so much because the black walnuts were hermaphroditic, right? They had this perfect union between uh, masculine and feminine. So they would pick it at night and they would tend to these bonfires and they would have to keep these witches away because. What made the Nochino work was that the dew would fall. The morning dew would fall on the black walnuts and uh, impregnate them with this magic, creating this um, elixir uh, and, and panacea of great health. And so that they would, they would take the, the walnuts on St. John the Baptist Day and then they would start creating the Nochino. And, uh, and they, would, they would store this Nochino until November when they would break it out and you would celebrate the holidays and then go through the winter and drink all the Nochino. And then you would be ready uh, to start uh, the process again. So we would love to um, have people climb trees barefoot around here. But... Um, Unfortunately, our uh, black walnuts really don't come into uh, the right size until a little bit later in the year. So um, when we can, we'll keep the the tradition. We were curious about what inspired Chris and Rhett to recreate these traditions in Asheville. Chris's interest in distilling actually started with a different liquor. You know, I grew up here in western North Carolina. So just as a matter of fact of everyday life, my pappy would take me into the woods and we would, you know, he would teach me about different plants and, and their uses, whether they were edible plants or medicinal plants. And that was just like sort of a part of my life that 
again, was just sort of pedestrian. I didn't really think too much about it. And then as I became a teenager, I really didn't care about <coughs> it, you know. Uh, I had the opportunity as a, as a young man to live over in Europe for a couple of years. And that's where I sort of started very first getting to know some of the Amari and things like chartreuse. And at one point, I came across a story about how there was this counterfeit chartreuse that that surfaced, um, and I was just so fascinated, obviously, by the story of chartreuse. And I said, you know what? I'm going to attack this recipe. I want to counterfeit some chartreuse, <laughs> right? You know, bad idea. I did not figure that one out. But what I did figure out was I started well, like working with these alpine plants, some of which I had already known from uh, here. And then it just sort of started, just sort of a light bulb came on, you know, like, well, you know, this is all like herbal liqueurs, you know, Amaro's, tonics. We have such a huge history with that here in Western North Carolina. And uh, honestly, one day I woke up, I was living in a cabin out in Fairview, which is about 30 minutes outside of town. And um, I was on 60 acres and I had walked that land and I knew what, medicinal plants we had. At their root, Amari are vehicles for storytelling. They're meant to take you to a place. Chris did describe one experience he had with a home-brewed Amaro as being um, a little trippy, a little reminiscent of the whole, like, absinthe green fairy kind of thing. Note here that absinthe does not actually have measurable psychoactive properties, aside from getting you drunk. We did a whole episode about that. But I would also say that one should exercise caution when infusing medicinal plants into booze. I think that is some good advice. <laughs> but some experiences transport you in a different way. I just thought to myself, this is how uh, you can a- affect people. This is the high art, right? That's something I love about these flavors, is that there is something. Like, you somehow experience the, the history and the care and the process. And, you know, that is... Well, even a little connection to the land a little bit, too. You know, I mean, this is this is literally a product of this place that I really love. And so, I don't know, there could be a little bit of that as well. Uh, I would hope so. That's what yeah. that's what our passion is, is to have capture this place, capture this terroir, you know, and the people. Everything combined. That's what I like about terroir, right? It's everything, you know, soil, people. Water. Insects. Insects, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, wind, mm-hmm. you know. But hey, we promised you a ghost story. We would not stiff you on a ghost story. And we will get to it as soon as we get back from one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressings, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. 
Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Mount Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So, one of the questions that we asked the guys at Etta Ryan was, where did you get that name? And they were a little mysterious about it, as they were about so many things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they said it was taken from a local ghost story, but that they wanted to wait until October to release it publicly. So we caught up with Chris on the phone a couple of weeks ago about why they chose that story and that name. Yeah, the decision comes from two different places. The first one was that, you know, we really wanted a very southern um, kind of name, like a beautiful, a very, you know, there's a lot of beautiful, unique names uh, down here uh, in the south and and especially up here in the mountains. And um, we wanted to have, like, uh, this, this type of, of name and something, even how you how it sounds, how you, how you speak it, and with that and thinking about it, like it seemed like there were so many like that the the land of of spirits were occupied by mainly male names, you know, um, some of the classics, Jack Daniels, Jim Beam, you know, Happy Van Winkle, you know, it's like the branding is sort of male dominated, and we were. We're like, there's so many beautiful female names. We would like to have female names. Um, and then thinking about that, then there's this ghost story. And it's the ghost story of Etta Ryan. And, and to me, that name is just a very beautiful Southern um, name. And then looking into the, the story itself, it is a revenge story. It is a moralistic tale, and uh, it just seemed to really fit the, I don't know, the zeitgeist of the moment. And um, the ghost story is based in Haywood County, which is, you know, where my family's from, and um, where it's very close to Asheville. Um, Haywood County is one county over, and uh, I still have a lot of family over there, and it just seemed like a, a nice fit. We will never turn down a good ghost story, or a bad one for that matter. We're pretty equal (laughs) opportunity when it comes to ghost stories. But we had to ask why. Whether they are are real or not, I feel like ghost stories 
for the most part, have like some really um, uh, deep things to say to us and uh, can communicate things through uh, these, whether or not they're fantasies or not, um, things that really can you know have impact in, in our lives. So mm-hmm. uh, in, the, in the case of the ghost story of Ed Ryan, I think I come away with uh, some uh, very solid uh, insights on humanity and just some moral uh, instruction that's quite, you know, quite fearful uh, and should be because the world in which we live in is not always a nice place. And the people who live in this world are always nice. And uh, we, as individuals, have to endure horror through our lives. And um, I think that these kind of stories uh, just sort of give an expression to that, whether it's our fears, our anxieties, or our actual experience. But it's, and it's also fun, you know. <laughs> That's also one of them. We've talked about those metaphors, the way that horror can reflect culture before on the show uh, when we did that reading of a goblin market with the uh, Stuff to Blow Your Mind guys. And Annie, you and I have talked about it on your other show, Stuff Mom Never Told You. Yes, I think probably anyone who's listened to me speak for more than a minute (laughs) knows that I love horror movies and I think that they are a great reflection of anxieties we have as a culture and moral hangups and all kinds of fascinating parts of humanity. Yeah, that episode, um, if y'all don't listen to Stuff Mom Never Told You, A, it's really fantastic, and B, Annie invited me on to talk about women in horror movies and why, you know, that trope in the first 10 minutes of the movie where a lady's like, I have a bad feeling about this. This seems, can we leave? (laughs) And, you know, all the dudes around her are like, oh, don't worry, you're so anxious and womanly. (laughs) It will be just fine. And then everyone heckin' dies. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah, you know, that old trope. That trope, yeah. So why are women not believed in horror movies and real life? So go check that out if that seems like a thing that's interesting. I think we had a lot of fun talking about it. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's all very serious, but it's also just fun. Yeah. Chris got a local North Carolinian poet to tell the story of Edda Ryan for them, one Benjamin Pryor. Is it ghost story time? I think it's ghost story time. All right, take it away. The legend of Ed Ryan starts back in Civil War days up on Leatherwood Top in Haywood County near Cataloochee. What a lot of people don't know is not everybody in the South wanted to be a part of the Confederacy. A lot of poor people didn't. And being a poor farming family, Ed Ryan and her father didn't care for the secession at all. That put them at odds with the rich people of the county. One day, Grady Mitchell, the son of the richest man in the valley, came riding up the road and laid eyes on Edda Ryan. Now, Edda was very beautiful, and her gentle spirit, fair skin, was said to glow like a halo around her. Grady Mitchell decided he had to have her. But Edda refused his advances, because she was in love with another boy who lived across the mountain in Shelton's Cove. called Bird. He was a poor tobacco farmer's boy. Ed Ryan loved him, didn't care that he was poor, because he had a good soul and treated her with respect. Grady Mitchell obsessed over Edda. He convinced his daddy to use his standing to talk Edda's father into having her attended a harvest dance with Grady, not Bird. After protesting, she finally relented to her father's demand. 
but she still made plans to meet Bird. Thanks came, and Grady Mitchell arrived in his father's fine carriage, but Edda despised Grady Mitchell more than ever. Grady didn't care about her feelings and only wanted to be seen with the most beautiful girl in the county. He was convinced that his wealth and good looks would turn Edda's heart, and she'd be stupid to pass him up. While Grady was bragging to a group of his friends, Edda snuck off with Bird. As they were leaving, though, one of Grady's friends saw him. The boys ridiculed and laughed at Grady, infuriating him. Outside, Edda and Bird kissed under a harvest moon. And Grady Mitchell, he attacked Bird, knocking him out, grabbed Edda, forcing her onto the carriage. On the ride back to Edda's farm, Grady's embarrassment and shame fueled his anger. Edda strangled to jump from the carriage, but Grady's grasp was too powerful. She finally lashed out with her nails and scratched a gash into his handsome face. Livid, Grady stopped the carriage, grabbed Edda, drug her into the woods, and strangled her. As her soul left her body, the church bell in the valley rang out twelve times. Grady Mitchell was arrested for murder, but Grady's daddy used his influence to get him off. Regardless of Edda's father and Bird's protests, Grady Mitchell walked free. In his heart, Grady gloated at having beaten the law. This fed his arrogance. Grady went to sleep drunk that night, but he was woke by a rustling outside of his window. When Grady looked out the window to see what it was. He saw the ghost of Edda Ryan. He heard the ringing church bells in his head. With each ring, it got louder, and the ghost of Edda Ryan got closer and closer till she was face to face with him. When the last bell rang out, she started strangling him. He was paralyzed by fear, and soon he gasped his last breath. Then he woke up. The next night, the ghost of Edda Ryan appeared, and again the bells rang, and he was strangled. Night after night, the ghost appeared, and even though he tried not to sleep, every night he was strangled. Soon Grady Mitchell saw the ghost of Ed Ryan everywhere and was haunted by the maddening ring of the church bells throughout the day. Slowly he distended into madness, his family's wealth and power unable to help. Eventually Grady Mitchell decided to take his own life. He climbed the top of Mingo Falls and threw himself to the rocks below. But his suicide wasn't successful, only mutilated his handsome face, paralyzed his strong body. Grady Mitchell spent the rest of his life haunted by the sound of church bells ringing in his head, unable to scream, unable to move, unable to try and take his life again. They say that if you walk on Leatherwood Top at night, you hear a church bell ring out. It's the ghost of Edda Ryan looking for her lost lovebird. Oh, and uh, yeah, there you have it. I love a good ghost story. It's a beautiful story and beautifully told.
Thank you so much to Chris Bauer and Rhett Murphy and all the folks over at Etta Ryan for sharing that story with us and speaking to us. Um, also, thanks goes out to Jason Allison of Wicked Weed for introducing us to Kelly Denson, who introduced us to these fine fellows. Yes, there's a lot of chain of introductions happening here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you would like to get in touch with us, if you have a ghost story that you would like to share, Ooh, yeah, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SaverPod. Thanks, as always, to super producer Dylan for making our jobs lovely, not just easy, but pretty excellent. Thank you to our co-executive producers, Christopher Hasiotis and Julie Douglas. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. I want listeners... I'm excited for them to hear the Nochino story. Yeah. yeah. Because it is wild. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. There's climbing up trees by barefoot women involved. On only John the days. Baptist. Yeah. <laughs> Romans. <laughs> fire. Yeah. Black walnuts. Yeah. You know, you go into a distillery and you end up <laughs> talking about all kinds of things. Related. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X. Visit TomboyX.com. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.